welcome back, and thank you for listening to Xenozoic Xenophiles. This is a fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales, a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs, from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth, and this is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Mark Schultz, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We're doing this podcast because we truly enjoy reading and talking about the worlds of Xenozoic Tales created by Mark Schultz. In this episode, we're covering Xenozoic Tales, Issue 6, from May 1988. It features two short stories written and illustrated by Mark Schultz, and a third story written by Mark Schultz and illustrated by Steve Stiles. We've explained our title in the past, but we'll quickly mention it again for new listeners. Of course, Xenozoic is part of the title of the comic. Xeno is defined as something that is strange, different, or foreign, while Zoic refers to a geological period of time. So Xenozoic basically means strange era. And a xenophile is someone who is interested in foreign lands and foreign cultures. That word describes us perfectly, because we're always interested in foreign lands and cultures, just like those found in Xenozoic Tales. Of course, many of you may be more familiar with the series under the title Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, as it has occasionally been called. The original series, created, written, and primarily illustrated by Mark Schultz, started with a backup story in the anthology comic Death Rattle in 1986. It then ran under the title Xenozoic Tales for 14 issues from 1987 to 1996 from Kitchen Sink Press. In 1990, Marvel's Epic Comics reprinted the first six issues of the black and white series in color using the title Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. So that means this will be the last episode where we have two different covers to discuss. In 1993, there was a Saturday morning cartoon series, again using the title Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, that ran for a single season. And there were three short miniseries published by Topps Comics based on the TV series that were primarily written by Roy Thomas, working with various artists. And this is a very exciting time to be revisiting the series, because after 20 years, Mark Schultz is currently working on a new Xenozoic Tales graphic novel. If you like the series... Be sure to join the Facebook page, Mark Schultz Xenozoic Tales and Other Stories, for all of the latest official news and information. If you don't have the series but want to pick it up, there are several options. In addition to the individual issues, there have been several trade paperback collections over the years, and there is also a recent collection simply titled Xenozoic that contains all of the stories written and illustrated by Mark Schultz. It's a wonderful oversized collection printed on high-quality paper and is available with two gorgeous covers. And if you would like some music to listen to while reading the series, then consider picking up Songs from the Xenozoic Age. It's an eclectic mix of fun songs by John Chris Christensen that are inspired by the series, and the CD features album art by Mark Schultz. We really enjoy sharing listener feedback and being part of all the fun exchanges with listeners on social media. Please do feel free to write in anytime and let us know what you think about the series. I'd love to know what you like best about the art or the stories or how you first discovered Xenozoic Tales. We'll provide our email address and other ways to contact us at the end of the episode. Also, if you enjoy the show, please consider checking out our other podcasts that are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Trekker Talk is a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of the sci-fi comic Trekker by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. And Warlord Worlds is a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow. Mark Schultz, Ron Randall, and Mike Grell are our three favorite comic creators. Their stories are always filled with adventure and interesting characters, and their art is excellent. We'll include links to those other podcasts in our show notes, but for now, let's dig into this month's issue. Xenozoic Tales, number six. 
May 1988. Editor Dave Schreiner. Letters Denise Prowl. Publisher Dennis Kitchen. Production Jan Manweiler. Original cover colors by Ray Fehrenbach. Reprint edition. Cover colors by Ray Fehrenbach. Interior colors by Denise Prowl, Randall Burnt, and Ray Fehrenbach. It's the early 26th century. The world has undergone great geological upheavals, creating global catastrophes. Few people survived. Those that did found themselves living in isolated tribes in a very different world and a strange ecosystem. It is a new age known as the Xenozoic Era. This is the last issue that was reprinted in color by Epic Comics, so it's the last issue that will have two different covers to discuss. The original cover features a glorious view of Renfro soaring through the sky in a glider. Two Zeeks fly nearby. On the distant ground, Jack and Hannah are racing across the desert floor in a Cadillac. The reprint edition features Hannah running with a young boy. The two are being chased by a stegosaurus. In the distance, a glider can be seen flying in the sky. Both covers are directly tied to stories in the issue and are beautifully drawn by Mark Schultz. The Foundling, written and illustrated by Mark Schultz. A moon hangs low in the nighttime sky. Hannah Dundee walks slowly toward Jack's garage. Once she is inside, Jack is surprised to see her and asks where she's been, and she begins her story. Early that morning, Maya was pleading her case before the governors. Nock, Dahlgren, and even Jack were present. Her three-year-old son vanished ten years ago when he wandered outside their home. Based on the tracks, he was believed to have been taken by hyenas, but his mother Maya claims she saw him in the window of her house just the night before. She says he was ten years older, but as his mother, she still recognized him. The governors and Jack don't believe her story and turn her away, so she goes to see Hannah because she's a skilled tracker, and Hannah agrees to investigate. Outside the window of Maya's home, Hannah does indeed find tracks left by an adolescent boy. Though she can't believe a child could survive in the jungle alone for ten years, she follows the tracks into the jungle interior. After several hours, she is surprised to find a young teenage boy staring at his reflection in a river. He is startled, but doesn't run away. Hannah begins to ask him questions. But instead of talking, the boy begins to answer her questions by writing with a sharp stone, and Hannah thinks it's peculiar that he draws a box around each letter. Then she suddenly remembers that the Grith communicate with Jack using small square tiles with letters on them, and she knows the boy has been in contact with the Grith. Just then, a full-grown Wahoonchuk, what we call a Stegosaurus, charges from the jungle directly at Hannah. Dodging the dinosaur, Hannah returns to the river, but can't find the boy, until she sees him far in the distance walking with two Grith. She races after them, and finds their trail leading into a cave. She lights a torch and follows them inside, but then her mind becomes cloudy, and she is overwhelmed with an uncontrollable panic. She races from the cave to find it is now dark outside, and she begins to slowly make her way by foot to Jack's garage, where our story began. In the garage, Hannah begins to accuse Jack of knowing all along that the Grith had the boy, and can't believe he hasn't helped the mother find her son. But Jack explains that the boy's body was torn apart by the hyenas. The Grith cared for him and saved him, but by the time he recovered, they couldn't return him to his family because he had seen too much. Jack reminds her that the Grith know more and understand more than they do, and to illustrate this, he points out to her that there is no way she could have safely walked such a long distance through the jungle at night without the Grith watching over her. She should trust them. 
I love everything about the opening page of this story. Hannah walking toward the garage with the moon overhead, the shadows on the wall as she climbs a winding set of stairs, and the gorgeous view of distant buildings overgrown with vegetation as she starts to tell her story to Jack. It's an absolutely beautiful page. The scenes of Hannah tracking the boy through the jungle are marvelous. I especially like a panel that features a distant view of her standing on a giant fallen tree. And I love how the stegosaurus looks as it crashes through the vegetation, and the scenes in the caves are dark and moody with great use of shadow and light. As always, the figures and anatomy of the characters are perfect, and the facial expressions and body language are skillfully drawn. It's able to convey whatever meaning is needed in any scene. It's a fantastic little story with gorgeous art and a perfect example of why we love Mark Schultz and Xenozoic Tales. Hey, this is the ghost of the King of Comics, Jack Kirby. When I'm not haunting Stan Lee, I'm listening to my favorite comic book podcast, Double Page Spread. Each week, Wendy Freeman talks to creators like Cullen Bunn, Mark Wade, Evan Dorkin, and more. She is one cool dame who knows a lot about comics. So when I'm at my drawn board in heaven cranking out fourth world pages, I'm listening to Double Page Spread. Available on iTunes, Libsyn, and the Stitcher Network. He just Green Air, written and illustrated by Mark Schultz, aeronautics advisor Vince Rush. Our story opens with Jack, Hannah, and Renfro out in the desert. Tied to the back of Jack's Cadillac is a full-size wind glider sailplane. Jack has restored it using specifications that Renfro provided. Jack doesn't believe it can fly, but Renfro is confident that it will, telling Jack that the restoration is flawless. As he climbs into the plane, Renfro explains that he plans to follow the Zeeks on this first flight. They are also gliders, using the warm air thermal updrafts to stay aloft with minimal effort. He is certain that by following them, he will be able to stay aloft for a long flight. Jack drives away in the Cadillac, picking up speed and pulling the glider behind him. The glider begins to slowly rise into the sky until Renfro releases the towing cable and the glider quickly gains altitude. Hannah cheers for Renfro, while Jack looks on in disbelief at the soaring glider. Hannah leaps into the Cadillac, and she and Jack drive along the desert, watching the sailplane above them. Renfro successfully finds several thermal updrafts by following the Zeeks, but when the Zeeks turn out to sea, he hesitates at first, but then decides to follow. As the Zeeks dive into the water to feed, Renfro starts to worry as his glider slowly descends toward the sea, but he's sure the Zeeks will lead him to more thermal updrafts soon. Then he looks on in disbelief as the Zeeks begin to flap their wings and head back to shore. He turns his glider to follow them, but knows by the trajectory that he won't make it to land. Looking on from shore, Hannah tells Jack that they need to find a boat, fast, and Jack bemoans the loss of all of the hard work he put into the glider. The sailplane gently descends into the sea. Renfro climbs on top of the glider and stares helplessly at the approaching boat as sharks circle around him. It is great to see Renfro again. I liked him the first time we met him, and I enjoy seeing him turn up periodically in these stories, and it makes sense to me that he and Hannah would be friends since they both like science and discovery. The story is pure fun. 
Renfro's unbridled excitement and Hannah's genuine encouragement are a delight. Even Jack gets caught up in the excitement. The opening page is impressive. There are no words, just illustrations. I appreciate the layout and sequencing. The left column of panels focuses on a Zeke up on the cliff, stretching its wings and preparing to soar, while in the right column there is a parallel as Jack is preparing his Cadillac and the glider to fly. I love the scenes of the glider flying with the Zeeks above the desert landscape, and the following scenes over the ocean provide some excellent contrast. And in both settings, the skies are gorgeous, filled with varying clouds and a real sense of atmosphere with the wind and light. Hannah tells Jack that she hopes that he waterproofed the plane, and I hope so too, so we can see Renfro and his glider again soon. Take the Earth's mightiest heroes, each an invincible champion of justice, and band them together to assemble the legendary Justice League of America. For 261 issues and three annuals, the DC Universe was defended from threats on Earth and beyond by this legendary team. Operating from a cave in Happy Harbor to a satellite orbiting 22,300 miles above the Earth to uh, Detroit, Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast, will follow the League through all their evolutions. Please join your host, Mike Peacock, as I seek to cover all of the issues of the classic pre-crisis Justice League of America series. Through the magic of the JLA transporter, each issue will be randomized, with special episodes covering a complete story arc if needed. Along with the issue coverage, we shall also look at what the then-current members of the Justice League were up to in solo appearances in other comics for the JLA cover month issue. So do not hesitate to activate your JLA signal device for Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast on classicjla.podbean.com or by subscribing through iTunes. Intrusion, written by Mark Schultz, illustrated by Steve Stiles. High above the ocean, a man with a backpack scales the steep cliffs outside of Jack's garage. It's another one of the Terhune brothers. He's come to get revenge for his brother's wrench and hammer. He's been exploring the area for three weeks, and he's found a way into the garage. Inside the garage, Kurgo is telling Jack that he needs to replace the broken window panes, or someone will be able to sneak into the garage without them knowing. But Jack says he's hardly worried about that. It's the damage that nature can do that worries him more than any intrusion. After all, it was the recent tornado that broke the windows. Meanwhile, underground, Terhune has made his way through a small crack into the caves under the foundation, but he's seen by a slither. Terhune repeatedly stabs it with a knife while it claws at him. In the end, the slither is dead, but Terhune has lost lots of blood. Back in the garage, Jack is reminding Kurgo about the sandstorm that tore at the walls of the garage a couple of years earlier. Meanwhile, underground, Terhune has managed to dig his way through the stone wall to get access to the geothermal furnaces that power the garage. Above, Jack continues his stories, reminding Kurgo of the lightning storm that damaged one of the towers of the garage. Underground, Terhune gets ready to place several explosives that will create a chain reaction destroying the garage. Back in the garage, Jack is wrapping up his stories, saying that human encroachment doesn't concern him at all. Then suddenly, an earthquake hits. 
Below ground, Terhune stumbles and falls over the railing. He desperately grabs at a valve, but as it turns, he loses his grip and plummets into the molten iron and slag below. In the garage, Jack and Kurgo are back on their feet following the earthquake. They rush underground. If the geothermal furnaces have been damaged in the earthquake, they know they could be in big trouble. Upon reaching the furnaces, Jack and Kurgo are surprised to see that a valve has been opened, allowing the pipes to vent following the quake. If that hadn't happened, the pressure might have built up and destroyed the garage. The two look at each other in amazement, wondering how lucky they are that the valve was unexpectedly open. I really enjoy the parallel approach of this story as we follow Jack and Kurgo in one story thread and the Terhune brother in the other. The art is great, and I especially like the view outside of the garage when Terhune is climbing the cliffs. You could see the garage far above him and small fishing boats in the ocean far below. The page showing Terhune's terrifying fall is well-paced with a variety of distant and close-up scenes, and the panel where you see him lose his grip on the valve handle is dramatic. It was interesting to have several recent natural disasters recounted in Jack's stories, reminding us of just how unforgiving the world of Xenozoic Tales is. In the end, it was deliciously ironic that Terhune managed to save Jack and the garage that he wanted to destroy. And we want to take a moment to thank Fred Perry, who co-wrote the book Mark Schultz, Modern Masters, Volume 15. Fred sent us a message with a great news item to share. Steve Stiles won the 2016 Hugo Award for Best Fan Artist. Steve has worked on many titles over the years, including Heavy Metal and Doc Savage. He's posted dozens of articles that he's written about comics, including a six-part series on Jack Kirby, and lots of articles about fanzines. Congratulations, Steve. Daddy, has Hulk always been green? Well, no. Daddy, has Spider-Man ever been married? Well, that's quite complicated. Daddy, did Superman have a mullet? What? No, there's no Daddy, does Howard the Duck use foil language? Okay, stop. I must have done something wrong with your education somewhere along the line, but it's time to rectify that. You mean... Don't say it! You're doing another podcast? Oh no. Podcast? Yes. Mark's Mess Podcast. An ongoing podcast to introduce and inform my children about the world of comics, science fiction, and general geekery. Join me each month along with my eldest daughter, Charlotte. Where's my fiver? And my youngest, Catherine. Me! As we explore all this together. Find us at marksmesspodcast.blogspot.co.uk On Facebook at marksmesspodcast and on Twitter at Mark's Mess Podcasts without the team. A new podcast. On a new feed. Same old Mark. <sighs> Let's talk a bit about who's who and what's what in Xenozoic Tales. This is the 26th century, long after a series of geological cataclysms. What is known as the city in the sea in these stories is the island of Manhattan that is now partially submerged in the ocean. The city of Wasoon is what we know as Washington, D.C. Jack Tinrec is an old blood mechanic, one of the few people who have learned how to repair the many machines left over from the distant past. While he can be gruff at times, he is more respected by residents than the governors who run the city. Hannah Dundee is a scientist and ambassador from Wasoon who has come to the city in the sea in the hopes of building cooperation between the two cities. Kurgo is an older friend of Jack's who helps out at the garage on occasion. The Grith are mysterious humanoid reptiles and are allies of both Jack and Hannah, who are two of the very few people who have ever seen the Grith. The Grith communicate telepathically with each other and talk to Jack using the letter tiles from an old Scrabble board game. 
The Governing Council rules the city and the sea, and consists of several members, including Governors Nock and Dahlgren. Some members seem to respect Jack, while other members resent that he is more popular with the people than they are. Next up is listener feedback, when we share the emails and other messages we've received since last time. Thanks to everyone for the comments. Your support and encouragement is great, and we sincerely appreciate everyone who took time to get in touch to share your thoughts. After the last episode, Dan Dans wrote, This is one of the best stories I've ever read. This story is more about humanity. This is truly a masterpiece. John Baker shared some comments about episode 5. Thanks for the podcast, you crazy Xenozoic kids. Just listen to the latest episode. As always, interesting, informative, and an enjoyable listen. Thanks for bringing this gem of a comic series as well as the works of Mark Schultz to the huddled masses. He added, I love this cover art. And he let us know he just finished reading Volume 1 of Xenozoic Tales after the end and really enjoyed the whole book. And to top it all off, John got on Stitcher and left us this kind review. This show really offers a look at some very good, very underappreciated quality work that was done in years past. Glad to see someone has taken up the gauntlet of these treasures and keeps them alive. Well done. This was our very first Stitcher review. Thank you, John. We really appreciate it. Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader reacted to the post of our last episode with Awesome to see new episodes of the Xenozoic Xenophiles and Valiant Central podcasts this morning. Going to be a great day. Thanks for putting us in such great company, Joe. And we could tell that Dartha Krasia was excited to see the post about the episode, who shared several excited emoji and exclamation marks. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network received his contest prize and wrote, Southerfolks, thank you so much for the signed Xenozoic trade. I enjoyed reading the first half of it and re-listened to those first episodes to follow along with your discussions of the stories. The stories definitely live up to the hype that you've put on them. I enjoyed the short story nature of the early issues, as well as the 20 pages that have been the norm of the last few. Beautiful work and an interesting world. Thank you for introducing me to this comic. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast thanked us for the contest prize that he won and called our podcast superb. And Dr. G received his prize and posted a photo of it online. Congratulations, everyone. Chris Mounts regularly posts his selection of the top three podcasts of the week, and we were happy to read that he included this podcast because we know character is king. Thank you, Chris. Nicholas Gamel got in touch with us to tell us that our Xenozoic Xenophiles Facebook page is wonderful. Thank you. And Thierry Vincent said the Throwback Thursday post we shared online of issue two with the Cadillac driving along surrounded by dinosaurs while lightning strikes in the background was his all-time favorite cover by far. Great choice. Danny Newman wrote, Thanks so much for this podcast. I've been a fan for quite some time. I'm actually in the middle of a full-sleeve tattoo that is dedicated to Xenozoic. So far, my forearm has a 53 Eldorado on one side and a Xenoceratops on the other. I'm so excited Mark is working on new Xenozoic stories. It's like a dream come true. Danny continued, I'm a big toy nerd and a number of years ago did a couple of blogs dedicated to the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs toy line. Danny then sent us links and the articles are a delight and include great photos of the toys and shots from the comic and the animated series. You'll find links in the show notes and you will definitely want to check them out. I like how Action Figure Insider refers to Danny as an action figure anthropologist. And I just discovered that he completed a 365-day action figure photo journal called At Home with the Super Newmans. There you'll get a glimpse into the daily life of a superhero. Be sure to keep an eye out for Xenozoic tributes. Danny let me know he put in a few. If you're sharp, you may spot a 53 Cadillac Eldorado. This project obviously required lots of skill and patience. 
So take a look and see how many Xenozoic Tales Easter eggs you can find. Then we'll share the list Danny gave us in a future episode. You can find the photo journal on Instagram and Facebook listed under the Super Newmans. I'll put links to those in the show notes too. We spotted a comment on Twitter by artist Joel Bryan, creator of The Gurglesons, an online comic strip where he listed Jack and Hannah among his all-time favorite non-DC and Marvel characters. We had a nice exchange with him online, and he said, I'm so stoked for the new book. We were happy to spot Frankie Westside's hashtag comic hunt success when he exclaimed, I found volume one and two of Xenozoic Tales by Mark Schultz. Can't wait to dig into these. And we enjoyed a post on Twitter from Edgar Rice Burroughs fan of a beautiful piece by Mark Schultz to celebrate the tales of Barsoom. We'll close by sharing a couple of comments by Fred Perry about the book Modern Masters, Volume 15, Mark Schultz, that he worked on with his friend Eric Nolan Wethington. In addition, Fred has edited over a dozen of the Modern Masters interview books. Fred said, The most exciting part, honestly, was getting a package from Mark and opening it to find years' worth of sketches and Xenozoic triviata. Eric and I spent hours going through that package with our mouths constantly agape. Needless to say, Fred really enjoyed this project and shared praises for the really great job of layouts by Eric on the book. We've mentioned the book in the past and encourage everyone to take a look. Two Morrows is the publisher, and they still have a great online preview of the book on their website. You can get a feel for the book and how the art is intermixed with the interview. And if you like, you can order the book directly from them at a discount. We'll include the link in the show notes again. And I'll just mention one last thing, which is that we had a really nice exchange on Facebook with John Chris Christensen, who did the album Songs from a Xenozoic Age. It really is a fun album. If you like Xenozoic Tales, think about picking it up. Next, we want to extend our thanks to everyone who supported the show on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast, and we sincerely appreciate all that each of you do. Before we start, let us say that if we miss a name, please let us know, and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know, and we'd be happy to correct that next episode. Aaron Henley, Andre Moore, Andrew Taylor, Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary Blog, Anthony Jansen, Ashford of Feathers and Foes and Straight Out of Gallifrey, BC Fan 101, Billy Hogan of the Superman Fan Podcast, Brian Mulvey, Carlos Reno, Chris Mounts, Chris Sheehan of the blog Chris is on Infinite Earths and co-host of the Weird Comics History Podcast, Chris Thompson, Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics Blog, Comics in the Golden Age with Mike and Chris, Colin Stapleton from the Worst Comic Podcast Ever, Dan Dans, Danny Newman of the Super Newman's Project, Diabolu Frank of the Idle Head of Diabolu Martian Manhunter blog and Diana Prince Wonder Woman. Dr. G, Man of Nerdology of the Pulp to Pixel podcast. Dread, Ed, Terry, and Nick Moore of Till Productions. Eduardo Hernandez-Gonzalez. Eric Mannix of Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages. Ezekiel Zirvogel. Guanplana Lama. J.E. Paz. Jean-Pierre Keller. Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader. John Baker. John Chris Christensen of Songs from the Xenozoic Age. John Holloway of the Worst Comic Podcast Ever. That's in name only. Justice's First Dawn with Mike Peacock. Karen Williams of Between the Pages. Ken Solo. Kirkman Montgomery. Kyle Benning from the Superman Captain Marvel Power Hour. Larry Looper Jr., a.k.a. The Question and writer for The Retroist. Marshall Ross. Michael Carlisle of the blog Crapbox Son of Cthulhu. 
Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age, Nicholas Gamel, Nicholas Prom of Comic Reflections, Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Randy Caldwell, Ricardo Saw, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ryan Daly of The Power of Fishnets and Midnight, The Podcasting Hour, Silver and Gold Podcast with FKA Jason and the Rory Cleary, Terry Vincent, Tim Wallace of Cord Industries Blue Beetle Blog and the Phantom Skull Cave Blog, Tony Greenall, Vladimir Jaganski, Wendy Freeman of the podcast Double Page Spread, and Willie Yarborough. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. You can reach us at xenozoicxenophiles at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram under the name Xenozoic Xenophiles. And you can always visit xenozoicxenophiles.com for links to all of our social media pages. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It's a great way to help get the show noticed and hopefully attract more listeners. And please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode. If you like this show, please consider trying our other podcast, Trekker Talk about sci-fi bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair by Ron Randall, and Warlord Worlds, where we cover the comic creations of Mike Grell. In our opinions, these three creators are master storytellers and artists, and we're always happy to talk about their work and hear what others have to say. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will come back next time for another new episode of Xenozoic Xenophiles. Xenozoic Xenophiles is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, please visit comicspodcasts.com. We are not affiliated with Mark Schultz or the various companies that have published the series. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album, Movie Tunes, Background Music, Songs and Loops, Volume 2. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. <laughs>